genre. Hello and welcome back to Rocky Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie Rocky one exciting minute at a time. I'm your host, Doug Greenberg. And I'm Jason Haynes. And joining us, writer and executive producer of Star Trek Discovery, Ted Sullivan. Welcome, Ted. Thank you. Happy to be here. And we're happy to have you. Did you memorize the opening? You didn't? You yeah, no, I... Yeah, I'm noticing you're not reading it anymore. You, wow, uh, look at you. Minutes, you know, it's like an old hat by now. He's a pro. He's a pro. He, he really is. We're into minute 58, so he's done this a lot. And I've only done the intro maybe twice, I think, I was allowed to do it. And once <laughs> once was <laughs> just... <laughs> speaking of editing, we've been talking a lot of editing in this uh, <clears throat> this week. Oh, I'm not editing that. No, no, you gotta, we got to let it run. It's got to be genuine. Yeah. It's going to be the real... You have to have real moments, you know? We've had some real moments, that's for sure. Well, today, on this Wednesday, we're knocking out Minute 58, which begins with Jurgens taking advantage of a simple man, and it ends with classic 70s racism. Uh, now, Jurgens continues his con by telling, uh, telling Rocky that Apollo is going to prove his patriotism to the whole world by giving an unknown a shot at the title. And now Jurgens continues talking, but we're looking at Rocky. Mm-hmm. And I know, Ted, you're going to talk about this camera move here. Where 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 it pulls in slowly on Rocky's face, it's it's actually a zoom as opposed to a uh, as opposed to a um, a truck in which would be actually moving the camera. This is uh, this is a slow zoom in on him, which is interesting because well, it's it's something that was done in the '60s and '70s a lot because um, especially when they were doing lower budget movies. Because even though this is a hugely successful movie, it was a very modestly budgeted film okay. uh, and laying down track and moving the camera takes time. Uh, and you gotta, you gotta move heavy equipment and, and it's just, it's just a pain. So in the sixties and seventies, they started relying on zooms to, to do the camera move for them and save the the camera moves for stuff that were really, really important. And this is important, but they, it was, they were able to do it with a in camera move uh, and it comes right on the line uh, uh, on cue, like, and that unknown is you. <laughs> uh, and, and, and that's the, when the frame starts to change. Uh, Keeps getting closer you, and closer. And Do you think it, before you go, to me, I don't know, it, it came off as almost like a, like a cheesy, this is like a cheesy moment you see in like a low budget films, like when they, like a horror film when, the, I can't explain it, but I don't, it just came off as like a hokey kind of thing to me. Well, it feels hokey in in today's modern audience because it's yeah, not done. Yeah, that's it. It's just not done anymore. But in if you look at movies like um, um, uh, Dog Day Afternoon or any of those like really low budget but gritty uh, Serpico, that th- this is a this was a go to move, and it was just a it's just a part of um, filmmaking of that era. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in the same way that you could look at stuff in the eighties. Uh, in the 90s that there's no way you would do those types of moves today but it's also what makes it so of its time and so beautiful in that yeah. way I, I i like i i'm the kind of guy that likes when i watch um the day the earth stood still i like being able to see the wires on on <laughs> the spaceships and that type of thing because it, it 
it to me it just it's like that's what filmmaking was of that era so it it i don't like the the george lucas uh erasing history and putting new special effects in i like seeing things of the era in which they were made because they were done for a reason and this yeah. zoom it's really interesting because we know from this zoom that jurgen's pitch is starting to get through to him yes yeah and we know that uh, Jurgen's pitch is to both Rocky and us. He's convincing us to take the leap with him, and yeah, it's too good to be true. But then, like like Jurgen says, you, you can't pass it by, you know. And and they do something really brilliant and unexpected again, which I'd be curious to see if uh, I guess in the script he says yes, but they don't have Rocky respond. Yeah, we get super to close to his conflicted face and we're waiting yeah, for a response and then it cuts away and we're like, what? And that's such a, a brilliant edit to lead us into the next scene. We're like, well, what happened? Yeah, yeah. You, you actually lean forward in your chair to be like, and it's a weird shot of us watching TV. And think about that. Like, think about that. At that moment, when we cut to Rocky has now become a character in his own TV show. So it's, it's, it's a show, and it's not just any show, it's a game show. Apollo is the host at the microphone, and he's the center of attention, and Rocky's going to be the contestant, and then he introduces Rocky. Like, you know, we don't even notice Rocky. It's all Apollo, and, it, and, and we finally reveal Rocky turning up the volume of his own like game show that he's a contestant on, watching, and, and, and then and we go from the the glitz and glamour and the fantasy of TV to we pan back and here's Rocky's reality. A little couch, uh, an ill-fitting sweater. Uh, he looks, you know, he's a bum. We got, we got uh, Adrian sitting there. But it's also, think of this that's really interesting. This is kind of the first time we see them in a domestic kind of way and Rocky's not alone anymore. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and they're watching TV like a family. You know, he's even got he's even got Paulie, the brother-in-law, but the, we wait to introduce him. But the, it, it's another very, very subtle thing that John Avildsen, the director, does, which is to say, Rocky's not on his own anymore, and that's that's part of what Rocky's starting to learn. Like, not only do I have to believe in myself, but you don't get anywhere by just being by yourself. You don't get anywhere by saying I, I represent. I'm just myself. It's just me in the corner. It's you got to have your family. He's gonna. He's got Adrian, who's the first one to believe in him, and then he's gonna get Mick, and and even Paulie to a certain degree is part of the family. And you you only succeed when you have your core family group in 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 place, and you believe in yourself, and you put in the hard work. That's the other thing is I think there's an emphasis in movies today where it's just like. You know, that Disney mentality, if you just dream it, it will come true. It's like, <laughs> no, he works his ass off in this movie. He mm -hmm. works his ass off. It takes hard work. That's what makes it, you know, you got to work at it. You got to live at it. But it's, it's, there is so much artistry in that one shot, that one edit to the TV, and then the introduction of his hand, and then the, and the pan back to say, and now he's back in reality. And, it's such a brilliant piece of filmmaking here. Again, with just a pan, there's no edit. Yeah, I noted that uh, that he didn't never says yes. We just cut right to the TV. But the I want to go back to the to the zoom on Rocky's face again. Mm -hmm. Jurgens he, he has like a five part statement here, 
and you, you can almost see the wheels turning in Rocky's mm-hmm. head. With, uh, that unknown is you. He picked you, Rocky. It's the chance of a lifetime. You can't pass it by. And then finally, you know, what do you say? Just like he, he saw him on the hook and mm-hmm. just reeled him. On the ropes, maybe? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I was going for a fishing analogy, but but Rocky had you could see in his face. There's a lot going on, a lot of emotions. He's he's you know thinking to himself, "Am I good enough? You know, should I do this? What do I have to gain from this? What what could happen? What are the pros? What are the cons?" But he doesn't say a word. And you yeah. would think like he could have that conversation with Jurgens, like, "Oh, I don't know, Mr. Jurgens, I don't think I'm good enough." And Jurgens say, "Yeah, you're good enough." Blah blah. Well, I don't know. You know, what do I get? At? Like he he has like oh, there's like a whole dialogue that doesn't take place like he doesn't have to say it because it's all said from his face and from his adam's apple and quivering his lips are quivering he's thinking stuff he's mouthing stuff he there's times he looks down looks back up at jurgens looks down again like there's a lot going on in his head but it's like fear and uncertainty maybe he's afraid to be embarrassed yeah oh, totally yeah he doesn't believe in himself yet yeah. right you know exactly. and then and then when we're you know the other the other brilliant thing about introducing his answer on the TV is life has become entertainment and really all Rocky can do is watch it unfold. At this point in the story, he has no control over it. He takes control over it later when he says to Adrian, like, you know, all I got to do is the disc, go the distance. I can't beat him. I I just want to go the distance. He redefines what winning means in his mind. So that's a really interesting piece where he, he takes control of his life in that moment. But at this point, he has no control over his life. He is, he's just along for the ride, and he's a bit player in in Apollo's story. Is how it's being presented right now. You know, he's a co-star. Yeah, and they. I don't think it's this minute, but maybe tomorrow. But I mean, even the reporters, like, yeah, like Rocky is just the vehicle to to get Apollo to his end. Mm-hmm. You know, Rocky's just the joke that's along for the ride. Yeah, but I mean, I. There is a kind of, yes, he, certainly with the reporters, but I do think there is something really interesting and subtle to note, which is Apollo calls him Rock, you know, like, so he has his own little nickname for him, Uh, you know, um, he's definitely P.T. Barnum, but I think he recognizes in Rock a little bit of like, yeah, I mean, this is a good kid, you know, like, he's, he's, He's a little bit of a joke, but I don't think Apollo um, looks down on him in the same way Jurgen does. Mm-hmm. And, I he cert- and, I, and he certainly grows to respect him throughout the fight. You know, at, 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 in the end, he realizes this guy's a champion. I gotta, I gotta, I got. I'm fighting for my life out there. <laughs> you know, so uh, but it, it's it's a really smart idea about keeping Rocky in the background, again, reminding us, even though he's on TV, he's one of us. He's not the star. And because you could have easily played this with him. You, you could have been in the moment. You know, you could have been there. You could have been, you could have had him walking up to the microphones and all those kinds of things, but they didn't play it that way. They knew we get to tell this story with him on the TV and it, and and it's more interesting, more artistic to have him watching at home, watching himself at home with his new kind of nuclear family. It's also shown that it's this whole charade, this whole production isn't about Rocky at all. It's exactly. About and yeah. Rocky is just there in the background. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, and then this, <laughs> and Paulie sitting there like, 
you know, just it, it's interesting. <laughs> it, they cut to I, I, if I think if if I remember correctly, they cut to uh, Paulie uh, on how much money they say that, yes, that yeah. you know that he's going to make, which again is another hugely wonderful motivated edit, and it subtly sets up that everyone's going to want a piece for him because as much as we love Mick. He goes to Rocky because he's like, I want a piece of you. Now that they 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 ultimately form a special friendship, a special mentor trainee type of relationship, a father son type of thing. But his initial instinct is, I need a piece of you because you're my only shot. You're all I got left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And Paulie is the first representation of that. Mm-hmm. So did, does this take place? Right after the press conference, because Rocky's wearing the same clothes. Yes, yeah, I think they're watching like the nightly news, and he just came back, and now they're watching. <laughs> like just come back from yeah, the, yeah. Well, that uh, it's very Native American or like a Southwestern vibe to his sweater. Well, having lived through that era, it's just it's it's just seventies crap. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and and uh, I got to tell you, it this. This, like I, when I was a kid, I used to love this movie and watching All in the Family because it looked like where I grew up. You know, I, I it looked like Bridgeport, Connecticut. It just felt like, yep, those are the row houses. They're the guys outside just hanging out, probably not up to any good after ten o'clock. Everyone's dressed like in frumpy clothes, and the, that couch. I think my grandmother had that exact couch, so it, it just it feels so real and authentic. Right. They really drive home the blue collar feel. Yeah. But Rocky sits back on the couch next to oh, who's that pretty girl there? Huh? Yeah. Take those glasses off. Look what happens. Glasses are gone. Puts a little makeup on, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. Your hair doesn't look greasy and stringy like it did in the uh... No. And, and and think about think about what's happening here. So one, we know that he's not alone anymore. He's got Adrian by his side. But she's right. changed too. You know, so the glasses are gone. He's had an impact on her too, and in the next minute, we're going to really see yes how much of an impact he's had on her. So these are yeah. at this point, we know okay. Now we're it's not just a love story; it's about two people who inspire each other to be the best that they can be. Like he would not be able to go the distance with uh, the heavyweight champion of the world if she were not in his corner with him, and that's. It's it's why Rocky says a lie early early in the previous scene or in the minute we a couple of minutes ago we talked about where he says no it's just me I'm in my corner alone he doesn't recognize it yet he doesn't recognize that he's got someone in his corner yet the date with her and the kiss that kicked off the change of his life yes. not just with with his girl with everything because the next day he gets this this shot with Apollo Creed hundred percent it if, starts with the kiss she is really the cornerstone of this movie she is the instrument of change people think it's apollo yeah, yeah. but it's yeah. really her that's uh that's the kind of stuff you only recognize when you're watching it minute by minute true yes and talia shire is unbelievable in this movie she's uh, i get chills when i watch her and uh, sometimes i've worked with actors and they say well i don't have any lines in this scene it's like watch her in this movie or Diane Keaton in Godfather 2. Diane Keaton, I think, has five minutes of dialogue in a three-hour <sighs> movie. And her performance, you don't acting is not speaking, acting is being. And look mm-hmm. at look at her eyes in this scene. Like she barely says, I don't know if she has a line in this scene. She just she just reacts, she listens, she 
she nods, she shifts in her seat. She knows when to put a hand on his back. I mean, think about that. She, as, mm-hmm. as an actor, she goes, she's basically saying, she, she wait, it, it doesn't happen, I think, until the next minute, so I'll wait till that. But, but she's really quite extraordinary throughout this whole movie, but especially in this scene. Yeah, you're not even looking at her. No. You're looking at Rocky. Yeah. You're looking at the TV, and when they cut the pole, you're looking at his... Yeah, but, that, but that's the brilliance of John Avildsen of knowing how to frame a shot. Because what you can do is your eye can look at Rocky and then it can look at Adrian. So he's not telling you where to look, but the, he's allowing the performances to say, okay, now Adrian shifts a little bit. So our eye kind of goes to her, see her reaction to what Apollo's saying. And she's kind of watching to make sure, is he, because she's smarter than, than Rocky. She's the brains of the organization. So she's looking to say, like, are they making him a clown? Are they using this guy? And and she's cautious. Uh, and then and then we re, and then in the next minute we'll talk about how she her cautiousness gets drawn to her own brother. Uh, and yeah. uh, and and she's she's just such you know as as lovable as Rocky is. She's she's equally she's just she's so strong and so smart. And she goes from this quiet, withdrawn, kind of stuttering. Uh, girl working in the in the uh, uh, in the pet store to being, quite frankly, I think the strongest character in the movie. Yeah, I don't I don't think anybody can argue with that. Yeah. Just watch. Yeah, if you watch her parts and, and you watch her and, and how she was, I mean, it, it's in, an indirect way that she changed Rocky's life, but mm-hmm. it started there. It started with that with the date with the kiss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about Apollo for just a minute. He's really driving home the patriotic angle, you know, talking about the uh, his Philadelphia brothers and the beautiful people in a beautiful city. And he loves Philadelphia. He's proud to be an American, all with that that cadence, that big production guy. But he also, I think, is speaking some truth there, and he's also speaking what Rocky believes. And he's, and that's why I think it is, you know, race is an interesting thing in this movie because even though he's The one in charge and in power, the very fact that he's African American meant that he had to overcome so many things in a 60s and 70s ultra racist, kind of inherently systemic racist country at that point. Um, And the fact that he's talking about the American dream and that he still believes in the American dream, that subtly links us to Rocky when when Jurgens asked, Do you believe in the American dream? They both do. Yeah. They both mm-hmm. do. So, again, Apollo's not the villain here. He's the representation of what he could achieve if he's able to tap into that confidence in himself. When I was trying to find reasons to make Apollo Creed a villain, I thought about like his patriotic angle that he keeps driving home, and it's it's like it, to me. I'm saying, is is this a gimmick? Is this part of his his big show, or does he really mean it? I think he means it. I, 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 you could argue that he, he doesn't, but I think he really does because I think he is the living embodiment of success and the American dream and making it on his own. He is not someone who woke up with a silver spoon in his mouth. He right. fought and struggled to get where he is. And that's, that's the representation of everything that we're told is the American dream. And that's why I'm 
leaning that way more now. I think we should give up on this Apollo being a villain thing, Jay. <laughs> I, I, I got to I got to tell you, I just I don't think he is. I, I really no, I, it's definitely not. Yeah, I, I, I agree 100. percent As much as we want him to be, we can't. You know, he's not. Think about it. He also by Rocky Three, he becomes his trainer. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, he's the guy who believes in him. Yeah, and. Right. and Rocky didn't even believe in himself. Right. And, yeah. So I, I and and I think there's something really sweet in the way that Apollo, like, well, I guess it's the next minute, but we'll, we'll save it for that. All right. The reporter asks Apollo, "Why did you agree to fight a man who has virtually no chance of winning?" I mean, that this is going to come back next next minute, but I, I want to go to the script real quick because uh, let me find it. Sorry, talk amongst yourself. No, this, uh, is a good, this is good podcasting. Just, <laughs> yeah, you, so <laughs> people like that because now they know they can go and they can make a sandwich, and then they come, come right. back and we'll maybe a, See uh, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for editing. We can just yeah. chop this out, right? Yeah, no, I thought this was like uh, you. You send this off to the the State Department. They have to look through everything. Everything's <laughs> got to be signed off legally. <laughs> Thank God it's not live. We're done. Right. <laughs> right. All right. People yeah. still, people that don't understand podcasts still ask me like, so do people call in? And I'm, I'm like, no, it's not a, <laughs> it's it's not a radio it's show. Not a radio show. Uh, okay. So the commentator, after he talks to Rocky, uh, he says, a bicentennial fight January 1st, it will be the first sporting event on our 200th birthday and is already being called by many the greatest farce in sports history. If this man lasts more than a minute, I would say he's on borrowed time. It's matches like this with their exorbitant prices that give sports a bad name. Not only is this match bad, people, it's sad. Why Rocky Balboa at this? Uh, oh, and then he signs off. But this, you know, it, it carries on to next minute. Is it next minute when um, Rocky uh, vocalizes something to Adrian? But yes, um, they, yes. they in the in the script they were brutal to him. Brutal. In the movie, all he says is, uh, you know, fighting a man who has virtually no chance of winning. But but to me, that's brutal. Like to yeah. make a comment like that in front of him and on TV in front of everybody, that's yeah. pretty brutal. Yeah, but it, it got. I, I and I actually, but I think it's just making that comment and you know, asking Apollo why why did you pick to fight a guy that has no ch- virtually no chance of winning is to me that's more brutal than saying all that stuff. Like I it's agree. just, yeah, it's. I, I, pretty rough. <laughs> yeah, I, I also think that sometimes when you're, I, I've certainly found that when I'm writing, uh, I'll write, I'll overwrite a scene, and then when you get to the moment, especially when you have an actor like th- that can nail it, um, mm-hmm. less is more, and and right, the more right, sus- exactly. the more succinct you can be, the more powerful it is because your ears start to kind of get overwhelmed with like uh, when you read something. You can read a, a novel and there can be a, a four-page monologue that someone has. But I always say like it's really it's really, really hard to pay attention to one person talking for a long time and hearing all the stuff. It's better to, to think of a script as a haiku um, as, as opposed to a novel. You want to just find the three lines that are the perfect, succinct um, lines that you could – or even one line – uh, if I can say it in one line, I'd rather write a scene that has, you know, one line for t- trying to express my idea. And mm-hmm. I think also that these actors that are playing the the reporters are so good. They just feel I I don't know if they're actual reporters or what, but they they just feel so local sports reporter kind of right. jerks. 
Yeah, I, I got a few notes on that yeah. too, but the, very pandering. Yes. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll get there also. But Apollo does come to Rocky's defense. Yes. And he says American history proves that everybody has a chance to win. And again, I want to just go back to the script real quick. In the script, he says, "Didn't you all ever hear of David and Goliath?" But in the movie, the examples he uses are Valley Forge and Bunker Hill. And I actually I wanted to see if there's any significance in, in those examples. Of course. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I mean, there's, this is writing one-on-one. Right. I mean, well, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's immediately, like, it's the story set in 1776. I mean, in 1976, the bicentennial. So they, they're driving, they're driving home the idea that this is America, 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 the American dream. So it, it's, this is bunker Hill is, is the, the very embodiment of, of the revolution and and the American dream, and also think, remember, the America fighting the Brits was as big an upset in in the history of the world. So David and Goliath is a very uh, it, it, it's an upset, but it's not American, right? But but also remember that um, I'm sure you're going to get to this. I don't want to steal your thunder, but no, but Bunker Hill was a battle that Amer- that the colonies lost, right? But which is very similar to something that's going to happen in this movie. Um, although you know they lost, they learned a lot about themselves, and and uh, and not only did they learn about themselves, but that you know that they can put up a good fight and they can you know be matched against this much larger force. But the the British also learned a lesson that holy crap, we can be beat by these yeah, right. by these people, and it's very similar to something that happens toward the end of this movie. Yeah, in, in Bunker Hill, the. Patriot forces were way outnumbered. Absolutely, they were low, they were mm-hmm. low on ammunition, and but they even at, outnumbered. They killed uh, or killed slash wounded a lot more redcoats than Americans lost their lives. And and, and also the the what Bunker Hill became was about survive, live live mm-hmm. another day, and mm-hmm. and that's what when Rocky redefines what victory is for him. I think that's the same thing as Bunker Hill. And that's, again, you get to the set and you realize we can make this better. <laughs> Just because it was written this way doesn't mean we have, we're not, this didn't come down carved in stone with Moses. This is a template. Uh, we're getting it on its feet and we're going to find the best version of this scene. And if that means streamlining and that means changing some lines and making it fit theme better and, and be more focused. Yeah. And like you said, Bunker Hill was, it turned out to be a morale builder for the mm-hmm. Americans, even, even though they, they lost the battle. Like Jay said, it's very uh, fitting for this movie. Yeah. But also in Valley Forge, it was, Valley Forge was where the Washington brought the troops right. there to rest for the winter. Uh, and they ended up losing a lot of soldiers to disease. But throughout the winter, their uh, military advisor kept the soldiers busy with drills and, and training, and they ended up walking out of Valley Forge. I don't, I don't know. I can't tell how long they were in Valley Forge, but they walked out of Valley Forge. It was Forge. just a winter, right? Yeah, yeah, just over the winter. But they walked out of there with, with their heads up, even though they lost guys. Right. They they learned a lot, and they had like a new sense of discipline. <laughs> right. Right. I, you know, as, you, I, as you're saying this, I'm picturing Valley Forge as like um. In Russia, during Rocky Four, like the training, <laughs> when they like, well, no, like the whole thing, like the training, they're running, like the, all the troops are running up the mountain, and the troops are doing the sit-ups uh-huh. in the in the barn. Right, right. Yeah, it's, 
It says here that um, when the Washington's army marched out of Valley Forge in June 19, 1778, the men were better disciplined and stronger in spirit than when they had entered. So these two examples. And that, that led to their first, their uh, big victory there. Yeah. Right. So the two yeah. examples that Apollo Creed uses here shows not just, you know, the, the patriotic, you know, American angle of it all. It shows like guys that either got their asses kicked, but still had the, the boost in morale mm-hmm. or they suffered a, a great loss, but came out better on the other end. Right. And it's also a sign of, uh, you know, the underdog, mm-hmm. you know, putting up a, a big fight. And, you know, sustaining, but, but also, um, in the writing in the movie with Apollo Creed saying this, giving you like some foreshadowing, it's, it's kind of like yes. almost telling you what's about to happen right. without, you know, you're realizing it at the moment. No, a hundred percent. And it, it's, it's, it's so smart and it's just, it's smart of them to continue to push the material as they got it on its feet and started shooting. It's really, really you know, I mean, that's, it's something that I've noticed before, but even just talking about it right now, never even really thought about how <laughs> perfect those two examples are. Cause they're just really, really, that's really witty and clever. And, but also says something about Apollo too, his character revealing of him saying like, I'm making a reference to America, but I'm making reference to the underdog not winning. So he's basically yeah, right. confirming <laughs> what they're saying. <laughs> Uh, so it's a really, it's really, and and man, how awesome is Carl Weathers? No, he nails it. He's he really does. He's man. So good. He he's so good. So a uh, mustachioed African American reporter comments that it is a coincidence that Apollo is fighting a white man on the most celebrated day in the country's history. Why would that be a coincidence? It, I mean, you 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 alluded to the civil rights movement from the '60s and '70s and everything. Um, is that what he's referring to? I, I, I think, yes, I think so. But I also think that it's interesting, Apollo's twist on it. Is, I don't know, is it, is it, uh, is it significant that uh, uh, a white man is fighting a black? You know, I mean, he, he, turn, he, yeah, he turns yeah. it around. And I think in a certain way, what Apollo's saying is, I'm not making this a black-white thing. I, right. You know, like, which is, which is kind of interesting. He, they raise race. <laughs> But then they, Apollo's the one who doesn't make it about race. Apollo, but he insisted on having a white. Fighter. He did, and he knew because it was part of the show. But I think from Apollo's standpoint, he's like, I just want a good show, and he knew that from he knows America, and I think that's another thing is that I know it's America. I know that it's it. This is going to be good for TV. It's going to be good for. He he says it. He says no. It's 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 good business, right? And and yeah, I mean, yeah. so I think for him. Again, that's the American dream. It's about the success, the money. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's what he's really subtly and what the writing is subtly and the performance is subtly saying here is this is about the American dream. This isn't – we're not doing Shaft right now. You know, like this isn't – this is this is about um, some underdog – a former underdog and a current underdog going mano a mano in a ring uh, to try to find out who they are as – as people, as men. You know, I think uh, when I edit this, I'm going to have to put like uh, my country tis of the underneath <laughs> all, the, all the patriotic talk, you know, because it's, it's making me feel very American. Mm-hmm. We'll just talk about Rocky. We give some history lessons. We're like, yeah, yeah. Cover it all, man. Some lessons in uh, screenwriting. Right. right. Your grandfather. Courtesy right. <laughs> of the screenwriter. Yeah, I mean, we can, uh, we can pick this back up tomorrow with the rest of the press conference. Cool. Sounds great to me. 
Yeah. Nope. Can you uh, let our fans know one more time there, Ted, where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am on Instagram and Twitter as Carter Hall, uh, at Carter Hall, uh, K-A-R-T-E-R-H-O-L. And uh, you can follow me there and see behind the scenes pictures and information about the show that I'm working on, uh, Star Trek Discovery. That's got to be cool, man. It's not bad. Oh, you're just being modest. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, um, excited to continue talking about this tomorrow. Yeah. See you tomorrow. Uh, we are. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> Don't shut your <laughs> podcast off yet. We're on Twitter at Rocky Minute. Join our Facebook listeners page where uh, we borrow a lot of articles and pictures and rare photos and stuff from former guest and friend Chris Goff. He just has a, a wealth of of Stallone information. That's uh, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. That's at mighty mix on Facebook and duelinggenre.com. That's our little, uh, little bungalow away from the big city here. All right. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. Big bungalow away from the big city. All right. All right. Sometimes I just, <laughs> all right. We'll come back tomorrow uh, for minute 59 on the next Rocky Minute.